Audio is an interesting intersection between the technical and the creative in the sense that you have to have an understanding of audio and how to produce good audio and everyone brings their own creative element that's very specific to themselves. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Amy Weber, podcast producer at Content Allies, and Brandon Burton, audio lead at Content Allies. And we will be talking about developing an effective branded audio strategy for marketing content. You haven't heard this before. So strapping. Welcome, Amy and Braden. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All good. All good. Thanks for having us, Dots. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So could you please, both of you, tell us about yourself, your background, your role, and how you come to be the king and queen of sound? So I have a three-year study course in audio engineering. And then I worked at a audio institute teaching others how to learn audio engineering as well. That was about five years. Dabbled a bit of in live sound. So I used to work doing shows, big live shows and whatnot. And also did some radio work as well. So that will play a big part in this conversation. Absolutely. And Amy? So my background's a bit varied. I tend to move between a background in communications and management, but I've always had a keen interest in audio. And so a couple of years ago, I also entered studies in audio engineering, finished up my studies from 2019 to 2021, and found myself more recently at Content Allies as a podcast producer, where it's awesome because I get to basically bring the best of both worlds to life on a daily basis. That's been really fun. Wow. And I haven't learned this for the first time and I haven't worked with you guys for about a year now. I am really intrigued at that. And it's interesting to see the world changing and having different specializations regarding audio, for example. And today we will be talking about how audio affects marketing. And my first question here is, what makes good marketing audio from your perspective? I have a bit of an interest in music, for example. I have a channel where I whistle and hum in harmony at the same time. Very boring stuff, but I figured a few people in the world can do it. But my voice cannot work for sure. Tell me, what do you think makes a good marketing audio? I would say good marketing audio that translates to your product or to your brand quite well. If you're selling food, for example, your audio needs to be able to tell a story of food, for example. If someone sells burgers, I don't know if it's like a radio ad. This is why I say radio is going to play a part where if you're marketing your restaurant, you're going to want to make the audience hungry, for example. And the way you make them hungry is to maybe put kitchen noises while someone's talking in the background about the product. And yeah, something like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And what do you think, Amy? From my side, I would say it's basically the blueprints in terms of the sound that brings your brand to life. 
So it's the identity that you build in terms of, because if you think about branding tends to involve visual aspects, written aspects, and it sound basically helps to bring another dimension to your brand. It creates or moves something from being two-dimensional to being three-dimensional, essentially. So I would say all of the sounds, music, voiceovers, any audio aspect that is distinct and helps to bring your specific brand to life in a way that sets it apart from anything else that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. While researching this, I found the concept of a brand sound identity. Do you have any insights on what that means? What a brand sound identity means? Immediately I came across that, I thought, for example, if you hear the sound, you immediately know it's a Nokia phone and so on and so forth. I can go on and on with me coming from Nigeria, for example, if you hear, you know what that is, it's an MTN ad. And with this podcast, my accent, for example, is my brand. That's, it's a very unique Western African accent that is attached to my own brand as Dot Loves Marketing. So how do you see brand sound identity and how do you determine that? What are the elements? I would say I would look at Coca-Cola for a good example. They're selling a beverage. I think food and drink can play a part in this quite a lot. I don't know why, but it just seems to be the going theme. But if you look at Coca-Cola, for example, it's a drink or look at it as a refreshment. And for example, the music that plays with it, it's like a refreshing sound. It's like bottle caps opening, you hear the gas and someone drinks it. And then there's a little melody that plays and then it's like you think, okay, immediately it's like a refreshing sound to the ear as well. So it's just to remind you of a refreshment of some sort. It's very dependent on what your brand is. Sometimes it can't work as well, but yeah. So you're focusing on the industry or the kind of product. Do you think there's a way where, Amy, you can jump in here if you'd like. Do you think there's a way where this also ties into the character of the brand? Aside from product or service aside, I think that also is very strong in how that brand sound is. Do you think even the character of the brand plays a role here? Very much so, I would say. I think there's a combination of factors in play because things don't exist or live in isolation. So you have the brand itself, whatever industry or whatever concept it's busy representing, but you also have the individual players underneath that's bringing the brand together. And I think that voice also translates through, the personalities translate through. And I think that's also what contributes to brand differentiation in spaces and in markets and helps to also contribute to what sets brands apart from each other. And I think when you're able to do that sonically, or at least build or add a sonic dimension to that, it can really enhance that in a way that I think visual and written sources will always contribute to that. But you can do that with audio in a way that you're not quite able to do with visual and with written. There's a level of detail that you can go with audio that you're maybe not always able to capture with everything else. And yeah, I think that's what I would say from that side. Yeah. Yeah, that and makes uh, sense. Go ahead, please, Brandon. I was going to say, even what just came to my mind now is, for example, when people are selling computer parts, for example, like if it's something cool, you're going to have a certain theme of music playing while they showcase this product, for example. If it's something fun, you're going to have a little jingle of some sort that's uplifting. It's a fun toy type of thing. So that translates energy into the product as well. Yeah. 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 And I like what you said there too. Some brands are aspirational. Even in the copy, you can see, they say, oh, 
explore the horizons or something like that. There is an accompanying tone that comes with that. If you are looking at tech, like what you just said, tech products in general, very upbeat, sometimes very depending on who they are selling to. And there are some in the middle of that, maybe from Solem to important if you are listening or watching here that you're looking at the brand, the industry, you have, Amy mentioned something about what connects to those who you are serving and there are a mixture of variables involved. So it is obvious to you that a brand strategy is important. We will get to that as we go on in this episode, but there needs to be some guidance on how to develop a brand sound identity as you develop other kinds of identity, whether it's the visual identity and so on, and how that applies to audio media in general. Amy, I want you to start this one. You mentioned Sonic, and if you are listening, it is not about this popular Sega game. I played that for many years of my life at the expense of my education. But what is Sonic sound? And why should you think people should focus on that side type of sound? So my understanding of it is basically, I'm going to sort of reference back to what I said just now in terms of it being a blueprint. So something that stands out specifically in reference to whatever you're creating the audio for. So it doesn't necessarily need to even be specifically for marketing. It could be for any project, really, and in any context. But how I understand it is that it's the particular sound element, the effects, the music, anything that is within the auditory or the audio vein that would specifically reference back to a particular idea or concept. That's how I understand it. If you're listening, I just caught a word there, audio vein. I told you these guys are going to be awesome. Thanks for explaining that. I read a book recently called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And they also talked about how this happens interpersonally with between two people or persons, but also how this connects to brands and how they communicate to their audience and how they use materials or certain triggers. There's eight principles in there. It's a very good book to influence marketing behavior, drive people down the marketing funnel. So how do you think marketers or audio marketers should think through the process of applying influence into their audio for a specific marketing campaign? Their goal here is to use this audio to exert a certain type of influence along with every other aspect of that creative, of course, whether it's the voiceover or the video. From your experience, what's your thought process? and get into that point? That's a very interesting question. I would say one that immediately takes your attention from what you were doing throughout the day. So if it can grab your attention and get you to listen, that's the right audio to go for. That's why I said sometimes it also doesn't work because it might not be the right audio for your brand, but if it works to get the listener, then it should be good enough. For example, if you're listening to the radio whole day, you hear something obscure, for example, like a siren, there's your attention. That could be a sting of beginning of an ad, for example. This is what we're doing type of thing. And now you're going to listen because that little bit of sound in the beginning caught your attention. I like I that approach. Say, I think in late 2022, I ran a radio ad for a nonprofit where there was no soundtrack. It was just the audio. And my idea was that there's a very thoughtful call to action to this ad. 
And where people are listening to music all the way, they get to this point where they don't listen to any music. The radio station is a music radio station, family music. And then you get to this point where there's no music. You're just listening to whatever that person is saying and it gets your attention. I like that perspective. I think can also be a good addition aside from judging something that also resonates to influence. So that makes sense. Amy, do you have any additional thoughts around that? Because I think at the crux of this episode is the ability to pick in the right audio that actually influences people to take a marketing action. Definitely. I was going to contribute and say that I think it's also about what complements your overall goal or your overall story that you're trying to tell. I think as with any aspect of branding, you want to think not only of the campaign you're working on or whatever project you're focusing on at that time, you also want to think about how that fits into the broader scheme of things or like the broader picture of things down the road for the brand or for whatever project you're working on. And so for me, when I think about this question, it, it's more also about considering what complements, what's going to not only enhance and represent your brand, your project in the best light, but what is going to complement that and what is going to present the overall value of the importance of that story and the way that you want to tell that story. And that's the power that I think audio has in many different ways and with a lot more complexity than some of the other sort of resources or tools that you might have at your disposal to work with a lot of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know if you are listening here, you're probably asking, okay, Amy, does that mean we are going to have different video samples for totally different video samples, depending on the mode? There is a school of thought out there, guys, that a certain sound for a brand can be repurposed into different sounds. Movies do this a lot. I remember the Mortal Kombat reboot. Uh, I have been a Mortal Kombat fan. I played the games without sleeping. There was a Mortal Kombat movie that came out, I believe in the early 2000s. I can't pin the year right now. But there was one that came out about two years ago. That wasn't like a reboot. But what they did was that they took the original soundtrack of the old movie and repurposed it. They repurposed it a couple of times. You could probably relate here if you are a Mortal Kombat fan. When Scorpion and Sub-Zero were fighting, they used a different version of that soundtrack in other areas where Jax and Sub-Zero were fighting. So they had different formats of this Kang and so on and so forth. They had different formats of this same soundtrack. They used that in different ways, depending on the situation of the movie. And I've seen brands do this as well, where they use the same brand uh, voice or brand sound and they use it in maybe in a slow way or in a fast upbeat way or in a solemn way or in some sort of an urgent way. There's a way you listen to sound sometimes, it makes you want to take immediate action on that thing that you are selling. Is that the right approach to delivering personalization efficiency when it comes to branded audio? And if that's the case, how has that been possible from your experience, guys? I would say that's one of the best approaches to take because if you have a sound with your brand, that sound sticks with you. If you can make it move through the time with your brand and have the originality come through, it's basically saying we are still the same, even though these little things are changing around us and we're doing things a little bit differently. It's a good way to reference back to we are still the same brand, basically. I think Terminator did that as well with all the reboots. Yeah. Terminator did yeah. that as well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. 
I love sounds, even though I cannot edit any audio panel. But yeah. Yeah, Amy, please add to that. I was going to say, for me, I feel like it's not only inevitable, but it's almost necessary because we don't live in a static state. So it's necessary to also, I think, adapt your audio and adapt sounds and adapt any story or, or any telling of a story in a way that also speaks to your context and speaks to some of the things that might be more important at that particular time, or at least be a better connection point for your audience and a better prompt for communications and interactions and understandings and also just a general back and forth. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that's what a brand is. It's a line of communication between yourself as the brand or the product or whatever the case may be and generating an interaction or creating an interaction with the outside world and with the different people that are interacting with you. So there's almost a sense of necessity to adapt that, to keep it fresh, to keep it contextually relevant, to keep it, I'd say, speaking to the needs and to the space and what's happening. And that probably also, I think, would be better for retention and loyalty because you then see there's space where your brand or whatever project in question at hand is listening to what's happening in the world and taking note of that and making sure to pay attention to where the world is headed and what needs to happen to make sure that everything is still making sense in the bigger picture of things. I like the argument you put it, which also leads me to believe that sometimes a basic or a fundamental branded sound can completely be changed over time. Imagine a company that is 100 years old. In the 50 years of that company, they've always used and adapted around a certain soundtrack. But after another 50 years, they may still use the same soundtrack, but tweak it a little bit to adapt to the times. But again, that is the original soundtrack itself, right? I believe what you said there about moving along with the changes in the industry help. But there's also the contextual part of it where you have different market segments and that are using different aspects of your products and you want to tailor your brand or marketing experience to these guys. So you use that same one and then you adopt it. And what Amy saying is that it is a non-negotiable. You have to make sound like the personality of the brand because it's part of the brand and you must be able to use that to contextually speak to people at the most human level. Thanks both of you for that insight there. Let's talk about voiceovers. And you guys, I know you've helped me with a lot of soundtracks for my other media assets. And if you are listening, guys, Amy gave us a great voiceover for this podcast. So if you're listening to that, welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. Join Dot Oyebolo. That is Amy. On the right there, if you are listening, that just loud now. And I would like branding, both of which work together on this, to elaborate on how it works. Because I know it's a lot of work. I don't know what goes on with it. We have the era of AI and so on and so forth nowadays, but I know it's a lot of work. So when you are working with script writers on voiceovers, what are some of the things that you are looking for? Or is it that you just take what they have and work with it? Or how do you guys approach that project and what is the responsibility of marketers who are not on the audio side 
but are willing to deliver some sort of marketing deliverable through which audio will come. My first thought is that I think it's a bit of a reciprocal process. So marketers will tend to bring particular ideas and scripts and thoughts to the table. And I think both Brandon and I coming from a background in audio and putting together voiceovers and working through that space, you begin to understand when you record as well, that how things are said is quite different sometimes in how they translate to how they're written. And so I think it ends up being a reciprocal process in the sense that you might get given a script and then you start to hear the voiceover. And as you start to hear that voiceover come to life, you begin to identify or be able to make recommendations as to it should maybe sound like this, like maybe this word should move from here to there because this is going to be easier on the listener's ear to be able to understand what you're trying to communicate better. I think it's a dynamic process. It's something that it doesn't always look how it started at the end. And so I think that's something very important to take into account when you're trying to translate writing into a voiceover to be listened to at the end of the day. Yeah, makes sense. Brother, do you think marketers provide enough direction for voiceovers or they just say, I know a lot of us marketers do this a lot. Please, if you are listening, stop doing it. I need a voiceover. I need it yesterday. Bye-bye. No context, nothing, no documentation. Please, can you set the record straight for us before I get too upset? I would say the thing is they're not the creative behind the voice or usually you'd bring in a third party as a director they are the ones that know what's happening even me as an engineer i can say this doesn't sound good or whatever but then they would say okay but how about we try this like i might say this doesn't fit but they'll have the solution to say how to make it work when it comes to the marketers doing it it's usually a very stressful situation they don't brief before yeah (laughs) it's usually when the client is in the room that things don't go as smoothly as they should so it's a good thing to have, get your idea, bring the director in. There's usually four people in the process. It's the voiceover, actor, the director, or the producer, should I say, audio engineer, and then the client. Usually when the client is gone, the other three work quite well together. And then if they're not happy, then they just give us another bit of bullet points. And then we work around that while they're out the room. That's usually the best way. And then you come back and they say, oh, maybe the previous one was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that, yeah. I know this is better outsourced. I would say marketers should just outsource it because the staffing resources is always there. But if it's something that you want to take on internally, then make sure you have the right human resources in place to make sure that the strategy is well done. The road to having a Coca-Cola or an Apple or a Nokia sound or brand sound is not easy. It took a lot of diligence with hundreds of people throughout corporate history, right? People sometimes put in a lot of importance on other aspects of media like visuals and video without knowing that with a bad audio, the video is useless. Yeah. So it's important for us marketers to be able to work together. I personally, I don't have to say it. I think everybody in this podcast, including Brian, our producer, knows that I have an eye for detail but I do not communicate without a direction. So this does not cut out you having attention for detail. It's just the fact that there needs to be a direction. There needs to be a strategy. 
there must be a path through which other stakeholders in this project. Any additions from you both on, on this for one? I think the only sort of last sentiment I would have is just, it ties into everything we've just said, like the emphasis of communication and understanding. I think acknowledging that we always have something to learn and gain from the people around us, especially if you have a lot of stakeholders and a lot of people involved in a particular activity. I think that's especially the case with audio. It's not a lone sort of space. Like you always have different people involved. And to actually be open to direction. And that can probably even contribute to your overall strategy in the end. It's like you, as the person having come up with the idea, might enter the room and you have it all mapped out. And then you have feedback from the different people in the space. And it can actually make your overall idea better because you have all of these different backgrounds and all of these different ideas coming together in one melting pot to deliver this excellent result with all the skills that are there together at that time. So that's the last thing I would think to add there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. When it comes to audio as a creative asset, I mentioned the web assets because when you have an asset like a house, there are so many issues around it. How you purchase it, how you protect it, and all this little drama that comes with life. People need to play by the rules, basically. And we'll start with AI. How do you think AI is going to change the game for audio in marketing content? Do you think it's going to enhance your work or is going to literally write your resignation letters? When it comes to audio, it's going to be very different from what's happening in the art department because audio is so diverse in many ways, like art, but there's very little for it to take from. If it takes only from what's very popular, for example, the AI will only be able to recreate what's very popular. And a lot of the underground music that doesn't surface to the top is so unique that it won't be able to emulate that, for example. I do believe AI probably won't replace jobs anytime soon just because the uniqueness that a human brings to audio, I don't think it can replicate that all that well. I think I share those sentiments very much. There's pros and cons because I know sometimes working with humans can be a bit complex and challenging. And I think that AI can definitely contribute an element of efficiency in the sense of you almost like you get that instant gratification that you now have access to an audio asset of some sort. But as Brandon mentioned, especially with where we're at with AI, and I think it's still quite early on in the overall process of learning about that and implementing different AI systems and technologies. But I think there's a level of almost like a generic kind of approach that AI audio and AI like visuals and things tend to have at the current moment in time. Maybe not so much visuals. I think those are getting complex at a rate. But specifically for audio, I think because audio is an interesting intersection between the technical and the creative, in the sense that you have to have an understanding of audio and how to produce good audio. And everyone brings their own creative element that's very specific to themselves. It's almost, once again, like it's like a fingerprint of in terms of like, what they come up with in terms of sounds and especially with music. And so I think there's a level of complexity and once again, detail and just it's something that's not generic that people tend to create that AI can't quite approximate or get close to at this point in time. I wouldn't really say it's a threat to job space as of yet, but I do think AI presents an interesting sort of 
opportunity to maybe broaden upon creativity in a way that I think could maybe complement in terms of almost like a brainstorming type of approach, especially if you're not immersed in audio itself. You don't necessarily come from an engineering background or a recording background or a background where you're specifically like creating audio assets. I think if you're trying to understand that space a bit better and get a sense of what you would want to create for a brand or a project, it's an interesting place to start in terms of brainstorming. But I would almost always think that it would, you'd reach a point where you'd need to get some means of professional inputs and some sort of collaboration with human beings and human ideas around audio and sounds to be able to create something that is specific to creating something that you want for a project or yeah. a brand. It's there to help the user, not to replace the user, basically, at the moment. I've tested some like AI mastering stuff online with it to master my music. It can't replace mastering engineers at the moment. It's far away from being able to do that. So that's just a small example. Guys, if you are listening, this is a very big claim, but it's coming from the grapevine. I didn't say it. It's Amy and Brandon that said it. Guess what? You should listen to them because I agree. In other areas of automation, I've happened to notice the way AI works. And what it does sometimes, for example, SEO keyword research is that when you are trying to say, oh, okay, AI, can you spin out keyword ideas for me based on this list? And what it does is that it takes from the top, maybe two out of the 10, and then makes the spin-off from that. Instead of taking a spin-off from the entire list, what I mean is with creativity is that what is unique, what is relevant, is often not as popular, just as both of you have said. And the danger for AI in creatives generally is the vagueness we'll start to see going forward, which is why I agree that at the end of the day, it's just going to, nothing will entirely, even the singularity time or time, whatever we get to singularity, it will not entirely replace human beings. We'll continue to work together because there are just some things that are human. It's just the way it has come from nature. And in terms of us marketers embracing AI, Amy has said there, let work, let it be a collaboration from a brainstorming perspective, right? How to develop ideas or approaches to invent music, not really as a means to mass produce or quick produce for, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was Amy that mentioned immediate gratification there. Thank you guys for saying that. There's another thing I would like us to set straight, which is audio ownership. So should we aim to have our own audio or should we always rely on stock audio? This is a very, <laughs> it's a very broad one, I think. Yeah, it's um, it, marketing leadership, premium content, subscribe. I would say, how important is it to you and your brand? If it's very important, own it. If you don't worry that much, then stock music is fine. But then what if your stock music is used somewhere that's more popular and they hear that music and think it's going to be something else, but then it's not. Then it's someone else's brand that drew the attention before you used that music. I usually steer clear of stock music a lot of the times. If you have a one-of-one, one, it's a good thing, I would say. I definitely agree. I think especially if you're specifically trying to create an audio identity for a brand, you don't want it to sound like anything else that's out there. And once again, it lends to creating a space where you can optimize your potential for creativity and creative outputs. and 
creating at the end of the day something that is going to grow and evolve over a long period of time because you're not just trying to source something for a one-off purpose. I would say that it's also very purpose-driven. If you're trying to find something that's for a short term or it's a one-off, then you could probably lean into something like stock music. But in my opinion and my thoughts, I would imagine that especially when you're putting together something and building it over a long period of time, you want something that's going to set it apart from everything else and give it its own identity and in, in a space. Even if you're a small business, I think it should be taken seriously, no matter how little you see that scope. But for brands, and I'm talking about brands that really want to build brand equity, it's important for them to agree with Amy and branding what they are saying in regards to moving towards branded content. Is it cheap? No. However, you get a sustainable long life value from that project because that audio now tends to live a life of its own without any fear of imitators. And you just like Amy said, can stand out really in the marketplace. Before we close this episode, there has been a pandemic and it is not the COVID pandemic. It is the SM7B microphone pandemic. Every major podcast in the world, literally, if you watch 100 videos, 95 people are using this mic. Now, it's obvious to marketers listening or hear or seeing us here that audio quality is important. Let's not flog the dead horse here. But do we take that to an extreme to say, this is the only tablet for this thickness? instead of exploring other alternatives. Guys, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I really like us to set the record straight on this mic. I think these guys are on for a podcast monopoly. I feel like Brandon and I feel very strongly about this. Look, the SM7B, make no mistake, it's, it's a, a great mic. mic. There's a reason why it's an industry standard. And, you know, it stood the test of time. It does its job well. But I think for us, especially coming from like a very detailed audio background and learning about different mics and learning about their purposes. And I think the SM7B can almost distract from the most important thing that should be top of mind when you're dealing with anything in audio is that it's not necessarily about the mic. Yes, it's good to have a good quality mic because that's going to deliver better audio at the end of the day. It's also about how you use your tools and knowing how to use your tools. You could take pretty much any mic and if you know how to use it in a space, know how to treat that space so that you're able to get good audio, understand the science behind the mic and how it was put together and how to incorporate that into where you should be relative to the mic and different things like that. That's, for me, I would say more important than the type of mic that you have. Yeah, knowing how to use the gear is more important than the gear itself because you can have an SM7B and if you have an interface that doesn't go well with that SM7B, you just wasted your money because you're not going to get the full potential of the SM7B because you didn't know that it's not compatible with a certain device. It needs a lot of gain and you need to buy the cloud lifter and then that's something extra and not a lot of people know that that you have to actually boost the signal going into your interface to use that mic. 
that's just me going on a rant because a lot of people like it and I don't know why. And I know Michael Jackson used it, but I don't know why. I mean, I use a Blue Yeti caster. It's not the best, but I get what you mean there in terms of from a mic's perspective is how you use the mic. My guess is you guys don't use an SM7B, do you? No, no. I'm using a 80-20-20. So it's a cheap mic, condenser mic. I've had it for a while. We do have a shotgun mic at the back over there, but that's not ideal for two people. So yeah, it's a uh, Would you think the environment is also key to having great sound? Because I, I yes, bet someone tell me definitely. that. Definitely. So this is where SM7B, I guess, is good. If you don't have a treated room and it's quite noisy all around and you want to get up close to the mic, it's a really good mic to use. But once again, you need extra steps to get it good. I would say a condenser mic with a little bit of treatment in the room is better. Is a better bit. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And with that SM7B conspiracy theory out of the way, I sincerely enjoyed this conversation, guys. It's been awesome having you. And I have personally learned a lot about the way audio works, how it keys into performance marketing and how marketers should see audio going forward. So it's a very specialized you know, topic as well. And you make it sound so simple. No pun intended there. So where can our marketers find you if they need help with branded audio? You can just find me on LinkedIn. I will check my emails if anyone messages every now and then. So, yeah. Pretty much the same for me. Best found on LinkedIn and then by email, which would be amy.weber at contentallies.com. No, same for me. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. So those would be the, the best two mediums to reach me by. Yeah. Yeah. That's branding for the email is branding at contentallies.com. I know guys will start emailing you right away. So get ready. This is the podcast where we have people who are really looking for solutions on how to move ahead with their marketing career. That's all for today, guys. Thank you for listening. Please see more episodes at dirtlovesmarketing.com and subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.